0: I want to thank you again for joining us today for worship online at Second Baptist Church. I also want to invite you to take your Bible and open to the book of Psalms. I began a series last week entitled Fearless. While I don't want to imply that in this world we'll be completely free of fear, I want to encourage you to learn how to fear less. Today from Psalm 84 verses 5 through 7, we're going to talk about the subject, What to Do in the Valley. What to Do in the Valley. These are certainly unusual times. If I'm honest, I have to admit that before a few weeks ago, I'd probably never heard the phrases social distancing or self-quarantine. These are all new to me. Every Monday, I look at our calendar on my phone or on my computer, and I begin to delete events that were posted some time ago, whether it's a baseball game, softball game, gymnastics, or even a family vacation over spring break. These are strange and unusual times. I look at the news and can I just encourage you, don't live in Newsland. It's okay to make a pit stop every once in a while to learn what's going on in our world, but don't stay there. If you watch the news all the time, you're going to be depressed, disheartened, and discouraged. And so you can watch the news and learn what's going on, but don't stay there and allow your mind only to focus on those things that are negative. I've also watched the stock market and maybe like you, I've gotten a little sick because of the roller coaster. It's up and it's down, it's up and it's down. We're so grateful that our hope is in the word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ and not the circumstances that surround us. So can I just say that I'm praying for you. I miss you. I'd much rather be gathered here together today as the people of God and as a church, but I'm also very grateful that we have the technology to connect in this way. I'm also praying for many of you. I've heard stories already of some being laid off. Others, your hours have been cut. Maybe you've been furloughed and you're worried about your future. Many of you are worried about your finances. Some of you very worried about your retirement. Others even worried about foreclosure on your home. Can I just say we're in this together. We love you. We're lifting you up and we're praying for you. This is definitely a valley. The Bible talks a lot about valleys. Some valleys are, are literal. David defeated a giant in the valley of Elah. Other valleys, are, valleys are, are metaphors. David talks in Psalm 23 in verse 6, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, here in Psalm 84, we learn about a metaphorical, symbolic valley. It's called the Valley of Baca. The Bible says, blessed are those whose strength is in you in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. I want you to remember this morning, the power is in the word of God. Here in Psalm 84, we learn what to do in the midst of of a valley, in a time of uncertainty and difficulty. There's a few things I want you to remember. First of all, I want you to remember the valley tests our faith. The valley is a time of testing. It tests our faith. The reality is that when we walk through a difficult, dark time, it's a time of testing for us, and it helps test and purify our faith. Some of you You've walked through the valley of losing a loved one, maybe a spouse, a sibling, or even a child. That's a valley. And Some of you have lost your job. You've been furloughed, or laid off. That's a valley. It's a time of testing. Some of you have faced difficult Challenges through disease and sickness that are life-threatening, that's a valley. Others of you are worried about losing your home, that's a valley. We all walk through valleys, and right now, all of us, we're in the midst of a valley. The whole world is in the midst of a valley. It's a time of uncertainty, and it was completely and totally unexpected. But I want you to notice what the Bible says in Psalm 84. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Do you see that right there in verse 1? I want you to circle that word you at the end of that phrase. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Who's he talking to? We have to go all the way back to verse one. Psalmist begins by saying, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. The psalmist is speaking directly to the Lord. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. And then all the way in verse five, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Now, the you the psalmist is talking about is clearly God, the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty. And so we are blessed. Think about that. The psalmist is saying he's in the midst of a valley, but even in the valley, he is blessed. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. How can you receive blessing even in the midst of a valley? Because you're looking to the Lord Jesus. You're trusting in him. And you find your strength in the Lord of hosts. Even in the midst of a valley, we can find strength. Valleys test us. You have a choice to make in a valley. You have a choice to, to look around at your circumstances, to look down in despair, or to focus on the Lord of hosts. And, and you, when you focus on the Lord of hosts, will find your strength is in God. The valley may test our faith, but I want you to remember what Job said in Job 23 and verse 10. Job knew what it was like to to walk through a valley, a time of difficult testing. In verse 10, this is what he said, but he knows the way I take. He's speaking about God. God knows the way I take, and when God has tried me, I shall come out as gold. This valley is a time of testing, but once we're tested, once we're tried, that's when we really see what we're made of. Job gives the metaphor of metal being tested, purified, and when he's tried, he'll come forth as gold. Valley will test your faith. Secondly, I want you to notice, the valley teaches us something. We all learn something in the valley. Can I just tell you something you probably don't want to hear? You're gonna learn more in the valley than you do on the mountaintop. You're gonna learn more through difficulty and struggle than you would in prosperity and blessing. God teaches us something in the midst of the valleys. So we've learned these past few weeks so much as a pastor, as a church, as a society, as a second family. We have learned so much over these past few weeks. We are learning as we go. God has something that he wants to teach us. I want you to notice how the psalmist describes this valley in verse 6. As they go through the valley of Baca. Now this might have been a real valley in ancient times there in Jerusalem. We're not exactly sure. Some scholars believe it refers to a certain valley here or there. But what we are sure of is that the psalmist means this symbolically or metaphorically. The the word baka can mean weeping or tears or or sorrow. And so he uses this phrase, the valley of baka, to symbolically picture a time of testing and struggle. Blessed are those who walk through as they go through the valley of trial, the valley of tears, and the valley of Testing, And so, as people traveled to Jerusalem to worship, they'd walk through this valley, this difficult time. As we're walking through a valley, it's a time of testing, a time of uncertainty. But notice what the Bible says in the latter part of verse 6. They make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. Now think about that. This is a dry, barren valley, desert. But here in verse 6, the latter part says that they make it a place of springs. The rain covers it with pools. How could that be? It's not that God miraculously turned the valley into the rainforest. That's not what he's saying. It is that the psalmist has learned, even in the valley, in the midst of sorrow and suffering, to do some things that turn that sorrow and suffering into joy and into refreshing times with the Lord. Interesting. Stephanie and I, when we were in Israel, we noticed that there's, there are very few places where fresh water is in abundant supply. In fact, Israel is a dry place. Between May to mid-October, there's, there's very little rain. It rains rarely. It rained when we were there, and it was so unusual. But it's interesting, especially in ancient times, to notice how people would gather water. They would dig cisterns. They would dig deep holes in the ground and and make a way to access those cisterns so that when the rain would come, they would capture that fresh water in deep basins in the ground, pools and springs, so that that water would last them through the dry season. And so I don't want you to picture the psalmist is just walking through a valley and miraculously it becomes a place of springs and pools. What does he have to do? He's got to begin to dig. He makes it a place of springs and then the rain covers it with pools. So sometimes when we walk through a valley of despair and difficulty, a dry, dark place, we've got to learn what we need to do in the midst of the valley and that is to begin to dig some pools, some basins, to begin to dig some springs. And so a couple of things practically I I want you to do during this time. First of all, I want you to dig down deep into the promises of God's word. If you're going to dig in the midst of the valley, the best place to dig is in the Word of God. Here you'll find treasure, you'll find encouragement, you'll find hope, you'll find support, you will find blessing and healing. The psalmist says, when I begin to dig in the valley, I find refreshment and encouragement in the Word of God. Not only that, but I want to encourage you to dig down deep into the presence of God by prayer. Dig down deep into the presence of God by prayer. One thing that we can do now more than ever is pray. As calendars are cleared, as time becomes more and more available, we can spend more of our time together as a family praying, individually walking with the Lord, praying. Even as we walk through the valley of Baca, we can begin to dig down deep and do some things that will bring joy and blessing down the road. God desires that in the valley we begin to seek Him and dig down deep. And so I want to encourage you in this valley, grab your shovel and start digging. You see, I wouldn't have known how to dig down deep if I hadn't been walking through a dry, dark valley. But even now, as I begin to dig, it's dry. But one day, God's going to send the rain. And when he sends the rain, those cisterns, those basins, those deep wells of water that we've dug will be filled up with fresh water, the blessing and the goodness of Almighty God. In the midst of the valley... Though we're tested and tried, we're also taught. We can learn so much. Do you know it was Isaac Newton who had to flee London during the great plague of London? He had to leave the university and go 60 miles northwest back to his home. And it was there as he began to study at his home away from the university that he began to, uh, he began to study advanced math that has now become the foundation for what we know as calculus. I know so many juniors and seniors in high school are very grateful for that. He also began to study light. He drilled a, a hole in the shutter and allowed light to come through and set up a prism. Before Isaac Newton, many people thought that light was just, uh, it was black and it was white. That's all they thought. But Isaac Newton, in dealing with the, the, the prism, began to realize the spectrum of light and study that. Not only that, but right outside of his window was an apple tree. You know the story about Isaac Newton studying gravity and the study of gravity became the foundation for Newton's laws of motion. He did all of this in a valley in the midst of quarantine. What does God want to do through this time in this valley? So first we notice the valley tests our faith. Secondly, we notice the valley teaches us something. And thirdly, I want to encourage you, the valley is a temporary assignment. The valley is a temporary assignment. Look at a very important phrase. If, if you just read this psalm and you read it really quickly, or even these verses, you might miss this very important phrase right there in verse 6. It begins with this, as they go through the valley of Baca. Did you hear that? As they go through the valley of Baca. I want you to circle that. Go While the valley of Baca is a place of testing, it's a place of teaching, it's dry and it's difficult, it doesn't say when you're in the valley, it says when you go through the valley. Man, there's a difference between being in a valley and going through a valley. In fact, the psalmist says they go from strength to strength because their heart is set on Zion. Think about that. They're in the valley, but their heart is set on Mount Zion. Mount Zion represents the presence of Almighty God. So in the midst of the valley of Baca, the Bible says here, in whose heart are the highways of Zion. Each one appears before God in Zion. In the midst of the valley, they keep their mind set on the things of God, and they go through the valley of Baca. You know what that tells me? While trials are unexpected, while they might be difficult, while we might face struggles, and while we don't understand, these are temporary assignments from God that teach us more than we could ever learn if we had not walked through this valley. And so because because we trust in the Lord... Because we believe in his goodness, because we know it's temporary, we can focus more on the victory in front of us than the valley all around us. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, speaking of Jesus, encourages us that we ought to consider him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. You and I can follow the example of Jesus who walked through the darkest valley in history. And he considered the joy set before him, your salvation and my salvation, the penalty of sin being paid. As we walk through the valley, we can remember It's temporary. If we're going to go through it, we might as well learn to grow through it. D.L. Moody tells a story about a godly woman who was bedridden. She was so sick, she couldn't get out of bed. One day, one of her friends decided to visit her, and she took another friend, a very wealthy lady, along with her. As they arrived at the apartment complex where this woman lived in the very top attic apartment, the wealthy lady looked around with skepticism. Her friend looked at her and said, don't worry, it's better higher up. As they got from the first floor to the second floor, the wealthy woman looked around and said, this is a very dark, dingy place. Her friend reminded her, don't worry, it's better higher up. They got to the third floor and looked around. She said, this is even worse than the second floor. Her friend only said, don't worry. It's better higher up. Finally, they made it to this attic apartment where this wonderful, joyful saint of God was in her bed. You could see the joy of God radiating through the smile on her face. And even though she'd done everything she could to decorate her room, flowers on the windowsill, light, the drapes drawn so to allow the sun in, the, the wealthy woman looked around and said, It must be so difficult for you to live in a circumstance and situation like this and in a place like this. That dear saint of God laying in her bed simply said, It's better. Higher up. She wasn't looking around at her circumstances or her difficulties. She was looking up. She was looking to the Lord. She was walking in the midst of the valley, but she was looking for the victory. So I want to I conclude by thinking about something very important. They're saying that this is the greatest global crisis since World War II. That's really hard to wrap your mind around if you think about it. The greatest global crisis since World War II. In fact, our president wants to be considered a wartime president. This is indeed a battle. It's not a a battle that we would traditionally think of when we think of war. It's an unseen enemy that we're trying to defeat and fend off its vicious attack against humanity. Think about this for a moment. The greatest crisis since World War II. What did God do after World War II? Well, do you know that Warner Robins wasn't even a town until after World War II? That Robins Air Force Base wasn't even here until World War II? Wellston became Warner Robins just a couple of years after the end of the war. They'd used Warner Robins as as an air base, as a place of supply. The numbers shot up during the war, and then after the war, they began to go back down. But then a few years later, in 1947, they designated the land where the base is today, Robbins Air Force Base, and it began to employ about 15,000 people. At that time, Warner Robins, the city, only had about 20,000 people. Most of them were employed at Robbins Air Force Base. You know what else happened in 1947. Second Baptist Church was born. Now, don't don't mistake what I'm saying. I'm not saying that God sent World War II so Second Baptist Church could be in existence. That is not at all what I'm saying. But I am saying that God could use a global crisis like World War II and bring about something good, bring about a blessing. That as you walk through the Valley of Baca, You start digging some wells because you know the rain is coming. The last global crisis saw Second Baptist Church being chartered and established as a congregation here in Warner Robins. And now for well over 70 plus years, we've been doing ministry right here. What do you think God wants to do through this crisis? I can't even begin to imagine what he desires to do through this global crisis? Could it be that people might become more open and receptive to the gospel? Could it be that now we consider our own mortality and we think about eternity? Maybe God wanted to shatter some of the idols in our lives, sporting events and travel teams and vacations and all of these other things that we tend to sometimes put first in our lives, even gathering together as the body of Christ. Look, I'm not in the church today. You are the church right where you are. So maybe God's allowing us at this time to recenter Our focus. What do you think God wants to do through this crisis? I want you to trust me on this. He won't waste it. He can use this crisis to advance the gospel and to move forward the kingdom of God. And so right now, grab a shovel, start digging some wells. I can't tell you when the rain is coming. I cannot tell you when the showers of blessing will arrive. But I can tell you this. God will send them when he's ready. And I want to be ready to receive them. I want to experience the joy and the blessing that comes after the valley. So in conclusion this morning, can I ask you a very important question? Has there ever been a time in your life where you've repented of your sins and you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Could it be that God uses this COVID-19 crisis for the first time in your life to cause you to think about the things of eternity? And the Bible tells us that the God who created us loves us. He loved us so much, he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. The Bible says that sin separates us from God. That God is holy and He is righteous and that we're sinful and unrighteous. And as a result, we're separated from God. And we can't get to God on our own. What we deserve as a result of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus came. He lived a perfect life you couldn't live. He died on the cross, a death that you deserve, that I deserve. And He offers the free gift of salvation. The Bible says that while none is righteous, that we can repent of our sins and place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We can be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved right now where you are. If you want to trust Christ, you can pray a prayer from the depths of your heart, something like this. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus is the Savior. I repent of my sins. Would you cleanse me and forgive me? I turn to you and trust you for salvation. Come into my life. You be my Lord. I want to follow you. If you're here this morning and you prayed that prayer, I want you to do something very important. I want you to text the word respond to the number that's going to, that's going to appear right here on the screen. 478-324-5402. Text the word RESPOND. We want to connect with you about the most important decision of your life. Maybe you're here and you've got a prayer request. You can text the same thing, RESPOND to that number, and we can reach out to you and pray for you. Maybe you want more information about our church. Right now, you're worshiping with us virtually. There'll be a day, hopefully soon, we can gather together again. If you want more information about what it means to be a part of our church, we would love to connect with you. The number's right there on your screen, 478-324-5402. We'd love to connect with you. Can I pray for us as we conclude? God, we wanna thank you for this day. It is a day that you've made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, thank you that as we walk through a valley, we can trust and know that one day the rain is going to come. Help us to be faithful to start digging some wells to receive the blessings when they come. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to even gather together while we're apart. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.